Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. He's covered the big events and talked to the biggest names in sports for more than three decades. Breeze end zone. He hit it. 500 career touchdown passes. From Super Bowls to the World Series, he's been there, he'll be there, and he's here now for CMI, the Chris Myers interview. It's good to have Jimmy Johnson, who just was honored by being put into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's two-time Super Bowl champ, won a college football championship, a heck of a coach. I've known him for a lot of years, goes back to the roots of the Cowboys and putting that franchise back on the map and University of Miami. And uh, you see him on Fox on the pregame show, joining us from his place in, uh, in South Florida. And uh, Jimmy, it's good to talk to you again. I, I know uh, congratulations on the Hall of Fame. We'll, we'll cover that. Uh, but I, I just have to ask you, because I know you've given speeches as a coach and even us, our crew, our broadcast crew, sometimes to fire us up before a season as we're ready for what is probably a most unusual, maybe the most important NFL or pro football season for a number of reasons, maybe in the, in the history of our of our country. As a coach, what would you be telling your team, your players, as they come into this season? Well, Chris, you know, the, the biggest thing that I look at right now, there are so many distractions going on around, and some of them very, very important. Uh, obviously, you know, COVID-19, uh, the social injustice, uh, the economy, on and on, it, it's going to be easy uh, for these players to be distracted and away from a focus of the football. And so, you know, I, I would make sure that I had my support staff working with these players, trying to, you know, make sure they had a, a tight schedule, make sure they knew exactly as far as the testing for COVID-19, all these different things, so where they wouldn't have to worry about those things. And they could concentrate on football. And it's going to be hard to concentrate on football. But, uh, but I, I think that would be my biggest concern as a coach is having our players totally focused. And I think the coach that does the best job of having his players focused uh, will probably be the one that's going to be successful. The other thing is, as a coach, yeah, I, I think the best coaches are the best teachers. And with so many young players into the league and not having a preseason – uh, the best teachers are going to be successful. Uh, you know, you don't have the luxury of a, a preseason game to, to weed out the ones that uh, are going to make mistakes. You're going to have to throw them into the fire right away. And would you say that, and this could maybe be in any case when you say best coaches, this is what I love about football, right? You can you can have less talent, but the group you put together as the coach or the scheme, you can win some games, steal some, so to speak, with against teams more talented. But so this year, would it would it, you say a coach who's good at his job can can win, maybe even more so than a normal season, can win with less talent? Or in the end, is that going to boil down to who has the best guys? Well, you know, the coaching and the talent goes hand in hand as far as winning championships. But I think early in the season, uh, just for instance, I, I coached 25 years without having any preseason games. And so, you know, I was concerned about special teams as much as I was anything in those early games. Now, you, you have some veterans on your offense and defense, and they're going to be efficient. You know, they're going to be able to play. Uh, you're concerned about your backs and receivers holding on the ball if they're not getting hit, if they're not accustomed to getting hit. But the special teams, when you have young, inexperienced players 
that are unproven, you know, going down and covering kicks or blocking, you know, protecting the punter, et cetera. That's when you have breakdowns. And so I always overemphasize special teams as a college coach because I knew those early games, that was going to be uh, a play or two in the game that might be the difference in the outcome. So this year, obviously, Bill Belichick is a good coach no matter what. More favorable, even though he has a different quarterback situation? Yeah, well, you know, Bill Belichick's always going to have the edge. Uh, he is – proven in the past that he can win with a team that's less talented than the opponent. Uh, So he's going to have an edge, but I think this may be a a critical year for Bill in that uh, he lost so many good players and, you know, not only Tom Brady, but he lost, you know, defensive players. He lost, you know, you know, offensive line coach. I mean, he lost coaches. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a critical year. Now he's, He's going to, you know, Josh McDaniels and, and Belichick are going to have to change up their offense a little bit with Cam Newton. Uh, but by changing up the offense, that means Newton's going to be running the ball a little bit more, and he's going to be opening himself up for some hits. So can he stay healthy? That's a big question. Uh, but uh, they'll still be a good football team. I just don't know that they'll be the championship team that they were in the past. What happened? What do you think really happened with – the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick situation? Oh, I don't think anything really happened. Uh, Both of them had tremendous success. Uh, It was getting toward the end of Tom Brady's career. And he, he, you know, I think he probably said, hey, you know, I've done everything I can do here. I'd like to challenge. I'd like to see what I might be able to do somewhere else. And then on top of that, uh, he's going to a Tampa team that's got tremendous receivers and a really outstanding defense. And so, you know, it was really a ripe situation for him uh, to leave New England. And I, and I don't think that there, you know, but, you know, obviously, uh, you know, anybody that's, you know, been married for about 10 or 15 years, you know, they said, geez, <laughs> you know, why is she on my case all the time? <laughs> I mean, does she have to nag me every single day? You know, and so, you know, when you've been in the same room for about 10 or 15 years, you decide maybe it's time to move on. Yeah, not, that, but, not that I'm going to get a divorce. I'm very happily married, by the way. Yes, I know. I know that you are. And you're <laughs> right. You, 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 you've exhibited that. But you did have I, people listening. I'm sure they're thinking, "Uh oh, we remember when Jerry Jones was hugging Jimmy. They were winning Super Bowls. And, <laughs> and, and, and so you let us right into I know it may be old news. But before we get to that, are you surprised that the Cowboys that you could be the analyst here uh, have not been back to a Super Bowl in the time that they have since? you or Koja, you left and, and Barry Switzer took over, but it's, uh, I know they've had talent. Uh, and I think a lot of people are surprised, even cowboy haters that, that they haven't been back. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. I, I, they had a couple of opportunities and they got bounced out of the playoffs uh, early in, in the, their run. Um, and, and I'm surprised that they haven't been back, but I, I think this may be the year that changes it. I mean, they, they are totally loaded on offense. And uh, the other thing is they brought in some players. They brought in a defensive back from Alabama that has been outstanding in camp. Uh, they got, you know, Smith, Alden Smith, who, who could be a great addition as a pass rusher. 
Uh, and then Lamb, you know, the receiver that they drafted, has been phenomenal, you know, in practice. And the other thing is, I think some of their veteran players, are, you know, they've got the maturity and the experience right now that they can put it all together. I, I look for them to really go a long way in the playoffs this year. Okay, and Mike McCarthy, uh, his first year there in Dallas, but a guy who's had a lot of success in Green Bay. What will he bring? And he still will have to deal with the ownership and how, how they operate, but he's he's the coach here. Is, is he a big difference maker for you? I think he is a big difference maker because he's a proven Super Bowl coach. And on top of that, he's on his honeymoon with Jerry. So Jerry's going to be giving in to him. You know, whatever Mike wants, he's going he's to get. Now, three or four years down the road, that could change. But, uh, but I, I think Mike's going to do an outstanding job there. I remember I was there as a reporter in the early years for your honeymoon <laughs> stage with, with Jerry. Look, and it's funny. Hey, Chris, my honeymoon, we went one in 15. <laughs> yeah, well, I know that that's why you're able to hang around so you could get to the Super Bowl. But in this case, McCarthy comes in, as you said, with a team that's already kind of on the doorstep, right? So I, I, is that going to be an issue if the expectations are, are high, honeymoon or not, that, that this team yeah. would struggle? No, I, I don't think so. I, I just think. Uh, you know, obviously, every team has struggles. I, I haven't seen a team yet that went straight through, right through the Super Bowl without a struggle. Uh, so there's going to be some adversity there. But I think Mike is uh, experienced enough, and he's been through it enough that he can overcome that adversity and bring yeah. the team back together. Plus, they have an experienced team with a proven, you know, quarterback. Uh, you know, they're they're going to be fine. They got an outstanding coaching staff too. You know. Yeah. Mike Nolan, uh, actually, I coached with his dad, Nick Nolan. Uh, I, I retained him off of Tom Landry's staff. And he'll do an outstanding job with the defense. He's got Fossil with the special teams. He's got an outstanding staff. I, they've got all the pieces of the puzzle. Uh, the other thing, Chris, you look at this, I thought it was going to be a two-team race in the NFC East. But with Philadelphia's injuries, especially to the offensive line, and plus you got questions about Carson Wentz, it may be a one-team race in the NFC East. Yep, that's a good point. The division not as competitive. What maybe Mike McCarthy has asked for your advice privately? I don't know that. If he did call and say, "Hey, what's what's the best thing you could tell me about not only coaching for for Jerry Jones, but just in Dallas, where player it seems like every player is a superstar, everything is magnified." I know that's the case in a lot of cities with a lot of sports teams, but I've felt it and seen it when I've been there. But it's it's so much bigger in in Dallas, bigger in Texas, as we say. So, what would you tell McCarthy if he asked? I, I think with that, with them getting so much attention, you know, at times they get infected as far as how good they are. And I think that plays into it that they don't, uh, they're not as hungry as maybe some others. Uh, but I, I think you just got to roll with it because if you fight it, uh, it it's not going to be any good. It's just going to cause problems. You got to roll with it. You know, they, they are going to become infected with their success and infected on how good they are. But I think they're talented enough and I think they're experienced enough. And I think Mike's been around enough that they can overcome that. And I've heard fans already compare Ezekiel Elliott to Emmett Smith. You had the hall of famer. I remember the draft, you traded up to get it. I know it's unfair now, but how would you compare, at least based on where we are, we don't know if uh, how long Elliott's going to play and the rest of whatever the rest of his career looks like, but is, is there any kind of comparison to be made? 
Yeah, Chris, I, I'm not real good at comparing players, but the only thing I'll say is not only was Emmett, you know, outstanding from day one, he had more longevity than any of the top running backs that I've ever seen. Uh, he was a good player, you know, for a long, long time. So I think Elliott's got a long way to go before he can say uh, he was as good as, as Emmett. Now, he might be as good on year one or two or three or four. But, you know, after that, uh, you know, a lot of times these running backs, you know, they they're, they're hit it with a splash for a couple of years, and then you don't hear anything more from for a couple of years. And he was part of that great offense uh, and that great those great cowboy teams with Troy Aikman and, and and Michael Irvin. You had and it was early in your process here as an NFL head coach that decision to make for a draft whether you take Troy Aikman the quarterback number one. I believe Tony Mandarich was was there was also talk an offensive lineman that uh, that that went. What, what told you then uh, that that Aikman was the right guy? Turned out to be the right move all along. Uh, that and and was there any debate in terms of discussion or how, how the process where you might have gone a different way. We see different decisions made in drafts that really change the, the direction of a franchise. Well, there wasn't any debate because I was making the decision. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, yeah. I hope Jerry is listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, there were people in the room now, you know, everybody's got selective amnesia. Uh, there were people in the room. I remember John Luton, you know, one of our scouts, who did an outstanding job, he, he battled me. He said, if you take Tony Mandrich, you'll have a, a Pro Bowl left tackle for 10 years. You know, you got to, you know, take, you know, the sure thing. He, he said, hey, Troy Eggman's not a sure thing. Uh, he didn't even make all Pac-10, you know, uh, what Rodney Pete was uh, all Pac-10 quarterback. And so there was some argument in that room, but there wasn't any decision who I was going to take. I was in Troy's home when yep. he was a sophomore. I had him in my camp at Oklahoma State. You know, I recruited him for, you know, a long time before I ever drafted him. Yeah, I was going to say through the years. So were you, and I think you studied psychology, right, with yourself when you were in college or a psychology major. Do I have that right? Right. I got yep. my okay. degree, degree in psychology. Yeah, so I'm sure I'm sure that you've used that, you, you know, whether it be in recruiting or dealing with players, Jim, because I know you've handled players uh, from all different backgrounds uh, and, to, to get them to come together. But I, I wanted to ask you about with, with Troy Aikman. So he's the leader. He's the kind of the face of your franchise, the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, right? Stallback married at this era. And and so were you tougher on him in the beginning? Did you, did you have a little plan of how you would treat him that way, not just on the field and running plays and practicing i i was uh, that first year we were one in 15 i was tough on everybody and, <laughs> and 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 it was tough on me too because you know i i drafted not only uh troy but i drafted steve walsh in the supplemental draft and steve had won a national championship for me and went won an undefeated team but you know i knew you know good and well that i wasn't going to keep steve walsh I, I just drafted him so i could trade him later for some picks which i did I traded him for a one, two, and a three to New Orleans. And, and, but, you know, I couldn't say that I was going to trade him because that would have hurt his trade value. So I had to kind of walk the fence between Troy and Steve that first year. Now, after I got rid of Steve and, and got my draft picks, then I was able to cozy up to Troy. And, in fact, I even went over <laughs> to his house and set up his fish tank. And so <laughs> I had to bond with him a little bit because that first year was a little bit trying because he didn't realize that I was going to get rid of Steve Walsh for some draft picks. 
Uh, yeah, now you had a fish tank. I know you're a big fish tank guy. So did he see that? Was that part of the bonding that he wanted one or, or you were going to show him that, hey, we're I, together now? I probably pushed it on him. You know, I had five or six fish tanks and I talked about it all the time. And he said, I, I might be interested in it. So I went over to his house one one Sunday morning and we went to the fish store. We bought some fish and a tank and we set it up and got the salt water going. And me, I had a couple of beers and, and talked about it. And next thing you know, we're best friends. And the and the rest is history. But you were still in, you were you were still in charge, Jimmy. How did you handle? Because I'm oh no, I'm going to set you up going into Jerry Jones later on this. But how did you handle when there were differences, uh, if there were? Uh, you know, but you're the boss, and he's the court. But you need him to be at his best, doing his best thing. So was there an ultimate? Hey, it's going to be my way, or did you ever say, okay, I'll listen and let you go this way, but the next time we're doing it this way? How did that work? Yeah, you know, Chris, there's there's never you know, been uh, any understanding of how we work. Uh, and as time has gone on, you know, everybody thought that we were just butting heads, which we never did. You know, just like, you know, Jerry told me before when he was in the process, uh, you know, I was meeting with Jerry and Bum Bright when he bought the Cowboys. We were in Little Rock and we were driving down the road in his SUV. And he said, Jimmy, he says, Listen, he said, you handle all the football. I'll handle all the finances and the business. We'll be back to back and we'll make sports history, which we did. And and really, Jerry did not meddle in the, the football part of it at all. Uh, especially when we're one in 15, nobody wanted to meddle with it. Nobody wanted, <laughs> yeah. nobody wanted to touch it. <laughs> and, but but then, then after we won our first Super Bowl, we had a meeting and, and he said, Timmy, he said, see, I see you having all this fun. And he, people will get excited if you trade for a backup offensive guard. And and they're all excited. He said, I'll make a million dollars and nobody could care. You know, he said, I want to have some of that fun. And so then it started getting a little bit trying. But as much as anything, when we both look back, uh, you know, the first couple of years, yeah, and because we were so bad, you know, we kind of talked to each other, kind of consoling each other. Uh, but after we started winning, we didn't talk to each other as much. No. And, and I think that's one reason we went different directions. Yeah, kind of like a relationship going back to your marriage and honeymoon analogy, right? <laughs> <laughs> you you got to communicate, right? That's, you got to communicate. I got you. <laughs> and, and, you. and not only do you have to hear, you have to comprehend. That's an important part of that. So, but, no, you have to listen. <laughs> that's right. That's, you, and, but, and, you, and you did for a while until you, it had to be, boy, you talk about a breakup, though. That was a monumental with all the success you had had and i think right away people said well who will be more successful away from the other guy jimmy you know or jerry and, and i bring that up because people are asking that about tom brady and bill belichick and i well, know it's just because- let me just throw in let me just throw this in uh when you were mentioning our accolades at the the start as far as the hall of fame in college and the hall yes. of fame in pro you didn't mention fox hall of fame the Broadcasting Hall of Fame that we received a few years ago for Fox NFL Sunday. So, hey, yeah, things have been rolling pretty good. That's right. And you're going to be doing, uh, you're still, uh, even though uh, because of COVID, from remotely from your, your home there in South Florida, or maybe on your boat, I don't know. I think that'd be a cool shot as you've done before, but you'll be part of the pregame show, uh, at least for this season for the uh, Fox NFL Sunday, correct? Yeah, everybody knows how much I love Fox NFL Sunday, and, and I wanted to be a part of it, but 
at my age with, you know, a couple of heart stents, et cetera. Uh, I, I didn't see myself getting on a plane, going to L.A. until things are safe. Well, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to go to a game in person this year and attend like the loyal fan that you are, but you could still get in on the action, feel like you're there, be a part of it with Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online will give you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on the season opening bonuses. Do that today, right away, because the season is here practically, right? The start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures available right now. So head to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Some NFL games, obviously, the opener, defending Super Bowl champs at home. They will have some fans in the stands limited against the Texans and Deshaun Watson and that new contract. You got the Seahawks and Falcons, the Dolphins playing in New England with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Cam Newton. The Buccaneers, of course, a headline story. Tom Brady has a Tampa Bay Buccaneer going against Drew Brees. Superdome down in New Orleans. Cowboys, Rams, as the Rams open up their new stadium. So visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Podcast One with Bet Online to take advantage of the bonuses in all of these opportunities. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use the promo code Podcast One. That spells out O-N-E, Podcast One, and you'll get your sign-up bonus. Don't forget, promo code Podcast one get that sign up bonus bet online your online sportsbook experts and you'll enjoy the season even more hey it is ross tucker from the ross tucker football podcast among other nfl related podcasts the former nfl offensive lineman and yes we are going to have an nfl season it is here thankfully so if you want to bet on the games it is the even money podcast if you just want to play fantasy football fantasy feast podcast or every day your nfl fix the aforementioned ross tucker football podcast think has the better year just this year uh bill belichick uh, coaching or or tom brady uh quarterbacking in in tampa bay chris i, I don't like to put it on individuals okay. um, because this is a team sport uh you know right now on paper uh you would say tampa's got the best team they've got a better team on paper than new england uh but by the same token uh, you look at Tampa there in the NFC, and I think the NFC is a lot stronger than the AFC. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say, you know, as far as the best team right now, I'd say it would be Tampa. As far as, you know, who who wins between between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, I, you know, I, I could care less. I mean, it's a team <laughs> sport. Okay, fair enough. And that team, I know you mentioned the Cowboys this year. You're expecting them to do well. I I wanted to ask about Dak Prescott. If you were coaching today, is he your franchise quarterback? If Jerry Jones wanted your advice on sign him long term, whatever it is, is he is he in your mind? You had with Aikman. You've seen a lot of good ones along the way. You've seen some that you identified as not franchise quarterbacks. Is Dak Prescott that guy for Dallas? Well, just like I've told a lot of general managers over the last 20 years, you don't ever get rid of somebody until you have somebody better. And uh, right now, Prescott's the best thing they have, and I don't see them getting anybody any better, so they better sign him. 
All right. Fair enough. Let me just go back to, to you and, and, and Jerry for a moment. Uh, are things, where would you describe your, uh, now that you're in the Hall of Fame and you're relaxing and doing broadcasting, and we know you had the stint with the Dolphins as well, because uh, I'm from actually South Florida. I grew up in Miami. But uh, where, where are you and Jerry now? Uh, is, is, is it water under the bridge? Uh, are things good? Uh, is it still a little icy? How would you describe that? I, I, that's a day-to-day basis type thing. <laughs> really? <laughs> it is? Well, oh, yeah. The last time I saw Jerry, he was just hugging me as tight as he could hug me. Uh, we were at a Hall of Fame luncheon. Uh, but you never can tell, you know, ESPN's liable to run a, a feature on me or something is liable to upset him, and he might not want to hug me this <laughs> next time. So, you, you never know. It's a day-to-day deal. Well, yeah, now that you're in the Hall of Fame, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, along with him, and you, and, the, and many Cowboy fans is, are, uh, first of all, they're surprised it took that long for you to be in the Hall of Fame, but you're in. That's the good thing. And and Cowboy fans know the Ring of Honor is, is a place you belong as well because uh, they have followed the history of the team, and hopefully that'll that'll happen at, at some point this year. I, I do, I think it's interesting how, you know, relationships change over time. And, and, and coaching today, I know co- football, you said it, uh, coaches and teachers are the same thing, but is coaching today that different, Jimmy, or from what you, you said people call you, or is it more that the, just the dynamic of social media and the surroundings are a little bit different that makes it more challenging with players? I, I think it's much more difficult coaching today. You, you've got more things to deal with. And then on top of that, you know, everybody wants to talk about the great coaches of all time. And, and one reason why I say Bill Belichick's the greatest coach ever is, you know, back in the old days, and not to take anything away from, you know, Chuck Don Cole Shula, or, let's say. You know, Don Shula, you know, Tom Landry. You know, they put together a team, and, and they were fortunate enough to get a lot of talent. Well, that team stayed together, you know, for 10, 15 years almost. You know, and rookies would come in, and rookies would sit on the bench for about three years. There was no free agency. There was no salary cap. And so once you got, uh, you know, like that, those Steeler teams, they were great. And they were great for year after year after year because they never lost anybody in free agency. Now, coaching today, you have to take guys off the street. On a, you have to rebuild your team on a yearly basis with free agency, with the salary cap, with the rookie salary schedule. I mean, you have to play rookies. And I have seen teams take guys that did not have a job and, and really, and start in a game at midseason. So you've got to be a great teacher today, much more so than what you had in years past. And again, not to take anything away from them, they were great in their era, but I think coaching today is much more difficult. Yeah, and, and social media and social issues with players, and you talked about the attention in Dallas, how sometimes that guys get things caught up in, in the, they don't focus on football and the game once a week. Uh, what I don't know, what would you have told your players about uh, kneeling during the anthem if that were to have come up when you were a head coach? If that's what they want to do, you let them kneel. You know, you know, if, if it's that important to them, let them kneel. And and again, uh, a lot of the social media thing, it, it just, you know, you know, make sure you're right and don't embarrass the organization. Don't embarrass yourself. And players, uh, you had, tell the, by the way, tell the story. Can you tell the story about this, uh, the doll? I just love this story. I wanted to bring it up when you're talking about Jerry Jones. Sorry, it slipped my mind. You just reminded the, the doll story. Talk about how somebody's <laughs> hugging when you're winning and, uh, and the one going back with the preseason game. You know the one I'm talking about? 
Oh, when we yeah. played in, in Tokyo? Yes, yes, that story. That is, yes, that is a story. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Of course, I hated those international games. And, you know, I didn't like the trip. If I'd have had my way, every single game would have been played at home. You know, but, but Jerry liked the international games, the exposure for the Cowboys, et cetera. So we went to play in Tokyo. And so, you know, I put the starters out there for the first series, and I pulled them all out. And Houston at that time, the Oilers and Bud Adams, you know, Houston beat us, beat us there in Tokyo. You know, no big deal. Like, you know, it's a preseason game. So I went back to the airport. I was get, we were getting ready to get on our charter flight. And I saw Gene Jones, uh, you know, Jerry's wife. And I'd seen Jerry earlier on and he snubbed me and didn't even look at me. And I asked Gene, I said, Gene, what's wrong with Jerry? I said, geez, I, mean, I didn't think we had a problem. He won't even speak to me. And she said, well, I, I think he's upset about losing the game. I said, well, it's a preseason game. Jesus. And so she said, well, you know, he was out there and, you know, they had this, this big Buddha doll and the winner got that big doll and the loser got this little doll. And so when we got back to, <laughs> to Dallas, I said, him, Jerry, I said, Jerry, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I, he said, well, he said, I wanted to, he said, it was so embarrassing to me, but Adams got that huge doll. And he said, I had this little trinket they gave me as a, you know, the loser of the game. And that's what upset me. I said, oh, okay. So anyway, at the end of the season, after he won the Super Bowl, I went into his office and said, now, do you'd rather have a Lombardi trophy or that big Buddha doll? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure he was happy with the <laughs> Lombardi trophy. When you, was that a, so it was that an emotional, I just, I want to cover this again. I know you've been over this, but when people make decisions and it wasn't, it, it was life altering, right? The, for, for you to leave the Cowboys, the way, the way that happened. Was that emotional for you? I mean, if you, if you think back. It, it, it was a little emotional, but, but Chris, I've always done things to make, you know, me and my family happy. And, and if, if, you know, I, I, I do things to, to have fun. I've been doing Fox NFL Sunday for years because I have so much fun with the guys. You know, they're my best friends. And, and you know, coaching, we, you know, coaching at the University of Miami, I love, love coaching at the University of Miami. We lost one regular season game in four years and playing a national schedule. You know, but I felt like it, I did everything I could do. I built the team. I was ready for the challenge of going to pro football. Well, I went to pro football and we won a couple of Super Bowls and put together a great team. It was, you know, it was the youngest team in the league for two years with two Super Bowls. And so I felt like I'd done whatever I needed to do. And, and I was ready to go have fun in South Florida. And so that was the reason for leaving. And so, yeah, it's all about attitude. I've had a great, great run. And I, looking back, uh, I really have no regrets. Yeah, so you, yeah, so you kind of kind of do it the, uh, the the same way. I I wanted to, by the way, our seminar. We have a Fox seminar, and I know I was going to use this line had we had we had it in person. At uh, because I you know working with Terry Bradshaw, I was going to say Jimmy's doing his part of the pregame show by remote. Uh, you know, so he's not going to physically be there, but th- th- that's no big deal because Terry mentally hasn't been there for years. You know, on the <laughs> pregame show. So <laughs> and anytime we pick on Terry, but I bring that up because you guys do have fun, and it, it's why it's the number one show consistently. Uh, you know, on television leading in and just, can you uh, describe for people who don't, cause you've become such close buddies. I know with Bradshaw, he's a great guy. Howie Long, uh, uh, Kurt. I mean, the people you have behind the scenes on that show, Michael Strahan. Strahan yeah. yeah. 
it's a it's a really special at at, at, at different parts because right you were there then you went to coach the Dolphins and then you came back you know Strahan wasn't wasn't there the whole time he kind of joined but we know Terry and Howie Terry the mainstay that Howie and there was James James Brown before Kurt came in but whoever the the parts you guys make it look like you are watching football with friends or talking football with family you all have Super Bowl rings that are successful so what I guess you probably get asked this a lot but for our audience here Jimmy describe what what it's like when you are there I mean is Terry as goofy as is Howie it's, serious? It's it's an absolute ball. I mean, for one thing, see Terry and I, you know, a lot of times we'll fly together, you know, out to LA. I, I'll stop and maybe pick him up in, in Gainesville, Texas, you know, close to his Thackerville farm. And uh and then we'll watch, you know, Saturday we had watched college football. We sat there, you know, all Saturday afternoon and Kurt would come over sometimes and yeah, and so we laugh and cut up on Saturdays and then we go and have a a production meeting on Sunday morning and we just crack up, you know, and we start laughing about, you know, six 30 in the morning and we don't stop until the end of the day. And so that's the way it's been for, you know, 27 years other than the four years I was with the, uh, the dolphins. It's, uh, we really enjoy one another. We crack up, we have fun. You know, we have such respect for each other that we can get on each other's case and nobody's offended. If, if uh, you know, if if you end up uh, mispronouncing a name or a, a word or something like that, everybody's all over your case, but you're not offended because you're going to do the same thing to them. <laughs> it's good. It's good teamwork. Yeah, and it and it and it comes through. A couple of football thoughts, and it's the old: Do you play a guy right away or not when you draft him at quarterback, like the Cincinnati Bengals situation, and what the Dolphins have with with Tua and then Joe Burrow, obviously the number one overall pick. Kansas City did things a certain way with Mahomes. It's worked out well. He's a young Super Bowl champ with the contract there. Yeah, it, how how would you? I, I realize there's other dynamics with the team, but do you like the idea of getting a guy in there? I'm, I'm you keep referring to your one in 15 team. So I, un- I understand sometimes you don't have a choice, just throw them in there. But generally, what do you like getting the guy in there, getting experience? And you like a, a quarterback sitting a little bit? Well, the quickest way for them to learn is being on the field. Uh, but as a coach and as a team, you play the guy that gives you the best chance to win. Uh, now in our unique situation with the Cowboys, uh, I traded away our starting quarterback, uh, I think for a, a third round pick Steve Pallor to uh, traded him uh, to Kansas city and had a chance to go to a, a number two pick. And so my starting quarterback was a rookie and my backup quarterback was a rookie. So I had no choice to play a rookie. Uh, but you know, you play the best, the guy gives you the best chance to win, uh, but the best experience is being on the field. And I think too, when we talk about you going into the hall of fame and, and people look at your coaching record and super bowls, I, I think it, that's a, a, an understated part of your success when you were making, and I was there covering those draft rooms. I, you know, the, the decisions to trade up, to get this guy to that guy, as you said, build a team. And is there, is there a formula? I know you can look at a guy and, Hey, you know, we watch the draft and we watch the combine every year. And we think we know what, what was it that you saw? And maybe there is something to your psychology background too, about what, what makes a guy tick in his head if you get that opportunity. But I'd like you to expound on that a little bit, because I think that's an important part or has been an important part of your uh, coaching career. Chris, I looked at it this way. I, I, I wanted I wanted five, besides being a good player, I, I, I wanted him to be intelligent. I wanted him to have quickness. I wanted him to be a playmaker. You know, I, I wanted him to have character. 
You know, I, I wanted to, you know, have speed. You know, you know, you look at our first draft, the first four picks uh, were four academic All-Americans. You know, Troy Aikman, Daryl Johnston, Tony Tolbert, Mark Stebnowski. Wow. Stebnowski was, uh, I think, the second round pick, our third round pick. But, but you, you, uh, you look at them, you know, smart guys get better. Uh, and, you know, I was always looking for quickness. And yeah, the other thing I told scouts, I said, you know, you know, sometimes scouts overthink things. And so I said, obviously, you, you start at the very top. Can this guy play? You look at him uh, in person, playing on film, on tape. And then you go through all the hype, weight, speed, you know, character, quickness, performance here, there. And then when you get through with all that stuff, go back to the top. Can he play? And make your decision. <laughs> right. How did you do with, with uh, difficult guys who had maybe some issues, but had the other, the other parts of, of what you were looking for? They weren't there very long if they were difficult and had issues. <laughs> okay. Now, so everybody was everybody was treated differently. I said, hey, you know, our very first meeting, I said, guys, I'm I'm gonna be very consistent. I'm gonna treat every one of you differently. And how I treat you is according to how you perform on this scale. I've got a little scale for every one of you. And the higher you are up on the scale, it depends on this, you know. How, how you do the rules and regulations, how you do what we ask you to do, how good a performer you are, how much character do you have, all these different things. I said, but don't overlook that performer thing because if you don't, if you're not at the top of all those things, you're at the bottom of the scale. You have no room from no margin of error. And so just like when the, the player that was late for a bunch of meetings, he was a backup player. And he fell asleep in one of my meetings. Well, I cut him. They said, well, that's cold. Why would you do that? The guy was making $500,000 a year and never made another penny in pro football. I said, well, he was at the bottom of the scale. They said, well, what if Troy Aikman would have been sleeping? I said, well, simple. I'd have tiptoed back there and I'd say, Troy, wake up. <laughs> well, no, you that's know, right. The value to the team. And, and yeah. the, yes, because I, I knew Troy was going to do everything I asked him to do. He was going to meet the rules and regulations. Plus, he is a great player. So he had a little bit of, of room, a little bit of leeway there for messing up. Now, obviously, he's still got to meet the rules and regulations. Right. You know, but at least I, I'd cut him some slack. No, that's great. I, I think it tells you something about how you put teams together. Before we let you go, and I, uh, it's unfortunate that we we saw the news and how it was broadcast on national TV. Troy was part of that. When we we know that you were enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and then of course what what happened with no game or enshrinement ceremony, so we didn't get to see your speech. But I'm sure I asked about emotion before. Uh, I'm sure it means a lot. And I I don't know if you thought about what you might say when you when you when you were going to be up there talking or who people you'd want to thank. But here's a moment of just a reflection on on what it means to you to sound general about about going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, obviously it's a great honor, but you know, really my moment my moment came at the Fox in studio. You know, when they, when they told me I was in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That was my moment. Uh, actually when we have the ceremony in Canton next August you know, that'll be a celebration for all the people that, you know, went along the journey with me. Uh, but I've already had my moment is when they told me on Fox. And it was teary eyed. I mean, a lot of people watching you, maybe they don't even know you got it teary eyed. with uh, 
it, it, it surprised me. I mean, it, you know, I thought I might get in, but, you know, I didn't know that it was going to happen at that moment. And it surprised me and I was holding my breath and, and I tried to talk. I couldn't talk because I didn't, you know, I was holding my breath. And Howie thought that I, with my asthma, I needed my inhaler. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was really a great time. And, and I think our guys enjoyed it as much as they did. Bradshaw was going nuts. He loved it. You know, and everybody was on kind of edge because they knew it might happen. Uh, then Troy, you know, watching it, it, it was really a great moment. Well, uh, yes, well deserved, and look forward to when you do have that opportunity. Now, you get to do you choose a presenter? Is that right? Yeah, uh, that, yeah. It, yeah I, I don't know that it's going to change because you know what happened. You know, not having it this year and going to have it next year. But I was going to have uh, Troy be the presenter, and then Terry was going to be uh, putting my jacket on. Oh, great! <laughs> That's great because they both they both have jackets that that fit quite well. Well, that we. we, right. we, we we look forward to that moment. Oh, you know, I did want to ask, just because it's a fascinating subject, and you talked about Steve Walsh and, and Troy Aikman. It's a different time. But Green Bay, they went through it with Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre. What's your observation from afar at the moment, the drafting of Jordan Love so high and having a 36-year-old Aaron Rodgers there with Matt LaFleur, who's now a second-year head coach? Where, where, where do you see that situation going? Oh, I think that's a tough one because obviously they, they like love. He was a, a highly touted quarterback and he can be somebody for the future. And so they're looking at the future, but they needed a receiver as well. And so uh, that had to be a tough decision. Uh, and I don't think this takes anything away from Aaron Rodgers. And I think once they get into the games, uh, it, it will be fine. You know, but now the other thing, Aaron Rodgers has missed a bunch of games because of injury too. So they need a quality player, you know, behind him. Uh, But, you know, again, I think it'll work out once they start playing the games. Good. Yeah. Fans ask the question, right. You know, for this year, one year, if you had, if everything else is equal, who'd be your quarterback of those guys playing today? You know, some say Mahomes, some go with a breeze or Rogers, who would be your guy? I I would go, I'd go Patrick Mahomes. I I think he truly is, truly is special, but I'd probably go Aaron Rodgers right after that. Okay, so Mahomes and then Rogers. All right, Jimmy, will you take care? Enjoy South Florida, and we'll talk again real soon. All right, Chris, enjoyed it. It was great hearing from Hall of Fame coach Jimmy Johnson, the start of the NFL season. It's going to be good hearing from Dave Mason. To get more information, our friends at Bet Online, which are a sponsor of this show, and Dave's got a lot of inside information, or at least he, he pretends that he does to help us out. So we can go with confidence in the direction of those of you that want to go in that direction. Uh, Dave, it's, it's good to talk to you. It really is great to have the NFL kicking off. And I, the more recent news is Tampa Bay adding another running back, Leonard Fournette, really in the prime of his career. Uh, what does that do for this, uh, for this Buccaneer team? Already they were heavy favorites coming into the year. Yeah, I mean, they, they were, uh, you know, wow, <laughs> not surprising they added him. You know, is this kind of like <laughs> when you when you saw he signed with him, like, yep, there you go, right with Brady. Um, he gets another weapon. But, um, you know, the odds didn't move here at Bet Online. We had him at 12 to 1 uh, before the signing, and we kept him at 12 to 1. Now, we were already, that really is not negative on Fournette. It's just we already had him a little lower. Because, I mean, so many people have been betting the Buccaneers are the most popular bet by far. 
this offseason to win the Super Bowl. We have a humongous liability. A lot of that came in, you know, with the Brady acquisition months back. So we already had them pretty low. So we did. We just kept. We didn't want to lower their odds anymore. So they're sticking at twelve to one. Yeah, interesting. I, I think too. Part of the background of Brady leaving New England is he wanted to be surrounded with. He wanted a team that was going to load up offensive talent around him as he got older and worked into his. 40s uh, to do his part and uh, uh, New England it seemed wasn't doing enough of that obviously the Buccaneers are so interesting you, you uh, who do you have as the favorite you said the Bucks the minute Brady got there that they were the most bet on team as far as the Super Bowl yeah. is the favorite yeah well he they're the most bet on team doesn't necessarily mean they're the favorite but you know action started coming in on them you know we I forget when Brady signed was like 25 to 1 and people were betting it and when rumors were out there it was like 33 to 1 so you know people start betting at 33 to 1 25 to 1, 10 bucks a pop, 20 bucks a pop, $100 a pop, one bet after the other. It doesn't take long to uh, make a huge liability on our end. So, yeah, they dropped down to 16 to 1 because of that, and then now 12 to 1. But the favorite are the defending champion Chiefs. They're currently 6 to 1. The Ravens are right behind them at plus 650. Then you go Saints, 49ers, and the Buccaneers. All right. How about Cam Newton for the Patriots starting? What does that do? And I see what you were saying. Obviously, some fans who kind of had a sense where Brady was going, they wanted to jump on that. I think if some fans thought the minute Newton was signed that he would end up being the starter, they they, they might have jumped in early on New England. Yeah, there was some. Not, not nearly as much. And, you know, they really haven't. And you know it's it's kind of correlated, right? Because uh, the Patriots quarterback leaves to go to the Buccaneers, and it's actually that 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 move not only had a lot of action on the Buccaneers, but a lot of action was actually coming in on the Bills, like Bills to win the AFC East, and the Bills became a hot kind of bet when the stuff kind of correlated there. But um, you know, some so the Patriots have been not getting a lot of action all off season. Now that did pick up a little bit with a signing of cam, but not nearly not anything like Brady going to Tampa Bay, you know, cams coming off these in, you know, injury and, and there's questions on how healthy he is. You know, there's questions. Will he even be the starter? Um, now we do know he will start the season as a starter, but, but um, not, nothing, nothing close to, you know, the odds really didn't move, didn't impact the odds at all. So, you know, we still have them at a uh, 22 to one to win the Super Bowl. I mean, they're six point favorites week one. We're still high on them. I, I think uh, yeah. we hear, we hear bet online are higher on the Patriots than the betting public is for and that. That's for sure. You know, whereas the betting public's all over the bills and the AFCs, we're still giving the Patriots. Well, well, as long as Belichick's still on the sidelines, we don't care who's on that field. Yeah, it's usually the safe way to go. Who do you have? Give me a give me a long shot. Uh, that's or I shouldn't say a long shot. This year everything's kind of crazy out there. But a non-favorite. You name some of the favorites to you think is a good or that people are kind of eyeing as a, as a team to win the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, long shot depends how long. I mean, we're talking fifty. 50- you don't want whatever Cardinals are getting that big. Uh, people love the Cardinals this year. Um, if you're talking lower Colts, people love the Colts. They're down to 20 to one. I think they're, they're kind of okay. overvalued myself. Um, but you know, a lot of people are counting on and there's another quarterback on the move that just impacts odds. I, I don't really like the Colts at 20 to one, but, uh, the, the public's all over them. Um, long shots. I, I kind of like that Cardinals 50 to one. Um, you know, LA Rams, LA Rams 60 to one. I mean, they fell on their face last year, but they're still two years 
out of the, the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, 60 to 1 on LA Rams. I mean, they are playing that juggernaut of the uh, NFC West, but if you're looking for a long shot, I, I, I put a couple bucks on the LA Rams at 60 to 1. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, it's interesting because they would have got, you know, we have the expanded playoff this year, right, with the NFL. And the sure. Rams would have been the, the last team in on the on the NFC last year. So yep. so maybe even, even in a tough division, as you say, they get in and then they've got a little more experience. They made that Super Bowl yeah. run. And, and that's good. It's a good point. Atlanta, too. I always look at an established quarterback and I don't yep. know where you are and Matt Ryan. And they said they can play great defense. I don't think Todd Gurley is going to help them very much. But you know, that's another team with a long shot possibility. Uh, of getting back there, but the key is, is winning it. How, how will teams deal with, with COVID, or how does that affect uh, the bet online odds or, or people that are engaging in this? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a yeah, wow, it's a big cat and mouse game. You know, it's it's information is key when you're bet, betting on these games. You know, some of the sharpest right. minds in in betting, those guys are getting information before the books get it, injuries, etc. So, I mean, you know, it's always we have to be so quick on the draw with injuries. Now it's going to be that compounded times a hundred this year with 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 this COVID. So, I mean, odds are going to be on the fly. It's been a it's been a you know everything from wording on props. You know, um, everything we've done and other books have done over the years that we were just in our comfort zone with posting futures and props and handling games, all that's been thrown out the window this year with all these other sports. And now, now I think we're a little bit more prepared now because we've, we've gone through it with the NBA, MLB, changing rules, changing this. Uh, props have to change. We have to know action this prop. Uh, what are we going to do with this future, et cetera, et cetera. I think we're a little bit uh, we've had a few months to really we've learned a lot over the last few months and it took took a lot of big bumps and bruises but um but yeah it, it's it's a never-ending uh every every day it's something different and and you know we just saw in these discussions you know college football for instance how how are we going to handle these heisman heisman trophy odds you know it's like we had these odds up uh, you know, pre-COVID, and now players are dropping out. Some players are in. So the Heisman committee hasn't even come to a conclusion yet. Or is the Heisman announcement going to be in January again, or are they going to maybe include teams in the spring? So it's it's you know, players are asking me, "What are you doing with these odds?" Like, we really don't know yet. Well, whatever we do, it's going to be the most fair way. But I mean, <laughs> it's just well, I, I I can't tell you right now. So you know, but what we're trying to we're t- trying to handle all these unique circumstances in the most fair way you know nba division odds we we graded all the division winners the winner no action all other bets you know because it was so off the wall so whatever nfl we're ready for it um you know there's there's gonna i just know there's gonna be some instances where like oh my god what do we do here but we'll figure it out yeah just like the teams and the leagues and the the, the colleges they're they're adjusting on the fly before we wrap uh just a couple of fun uh, for bet online uh prop bets with with the nfl that people you think would enjoy or that they've reacted to yeah well i mean we have a ton man we we have so many we have like every player you can even imagine we we have listed we have you know we have adrian peterson's next team we have um who, who's gonna you know coming off the jaguars dumping leonard fournette we put up who's gonna win the uh not win i guess it's not winning but who's gonna get the number one pick of the nfl draft next year and the, the jaguars Actually are the favorite right yeah, yeah they're, Sorry, they're the plus 275 favorites so uh they're tanking for uh tanking for trevor next, so, uh, by the way um, washington washington okay That's yeah right. washington, that should be washington football teams so it'll be all right well race. it'll be uh 
been a lot of fun. All right, well, uh, Bet Online has it all for you, and Dave will join us from time to time to make sure we're up to date and adjusting as we all do. We thank uh, Dave, we thank Jimmy Johnson, we thank you for listening to CMI, Chris Flyer's interview here on Podcast One. Thanks for listening to CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word. Get new episodes every Wednesday on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify.